So I want to, um, I just want to, I want to share the gospel. How's that sound? Is that okay? <laughs> um, I think this, this ties into even that idea of, of, um, I think we need continually to have our hearts renewed. And, uh, again, if the story gets old to us, then, um, we're missing something because, Paul talks about how the love of God is um, is endless, endless. Like, and he prays specifically for the church, and he says that we might know the the vastness of God's love, and and, and it's this picture of His love going in every direction. Um, so, if we think that we understand fully just how amazing this. The story is that we're a part of, we're mistaken. So we haven't fully understood it, then there should be a, a sense in which, a way in which there's this continual renewal, even in our own hearts, as we encounter more of who God is and, and his love in our midst and our lives. And as we encounter this amazing story that we've been brought into and the, the continual revealing of God's goodness. So, if you are in a place where it's become old, I don't say it in a way of like, there's a problem. Um, I mean, there may be a problem, but it's not like there's a problem and you need to fix it. Some of you, you've been feeling it for a while and you just don't know how to fix it. Um, I think the way that it happens is when God in his mercy brings us back to... um, really the foundation of who he is, the foundation of his love. Um, where We get a picture in Revelations where he says um, he, he calls people to return to their first love, return to the joy of his salvation. And, and so the, the, the solution isn't, I need something new. In fact, it's actually, I just need to see um, who he is, maybe in, in fresh light from a different angle. I need something in my heart to be new. Um, so, I want to share tonight about um, one of the ways that, essentially, it's a fruit of the cross, a fruit of the work that Christ did on the cross. And as we journey to um, Easter, um, it's appropriate in a lot of ways that we would, would look at why Jesus came and what he accomplished. And I think... Uh, you know, the implication of the gospel, the gospel itself is simple, but the implications of the simple truth of, of who God is and what he came to reveal to us, what he came to do, the implications of those things can keep going and going and going. We're never going to get the full picture of it. That, to me, is amazing. So, I believe in that way, God is continuing to want to stir up new understanding about the same message. You hear me in that? Okay, so I want to talk about a fruit of the gospel tonight. And last week, um, we've, been, we've been discussing unity. I feel like God's really put that, um, revealed that, that thing that's been on his heart for our community. What, what does it look like for us to really be united? And I'm still trying to figure out that question. And I think um, what I'm starting to understand is way more than us just being in a room together singing some songs. It's way more than us just saying we're part of the light church. 
Like God desires a unity that goes so deep, um, even in this room, and that it would actually expand way beyond this room in terms of his church as a whole, big C, being united. And Jesus prayed that we would be in that place. It is on his heart. And so I think God's been revealing maybe some ways in which we haven't actually been united in one spirit and one heart together. And so last week we talked a little bit about this thing, repentance, and and um, it's 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 actually a good thing when we when we realize what it is in light of the cross. There's freedom in confession when we realize that that Jesus, one, He sees it all, and two, He's forgiven it all. All of a sudden, the things we've been hiding. We have to ask ourselves, if that's really true, why would I hide these things? Why would I continue to live in shame, condemnation, guilt, let those things rule my life, and as a result, keep hidden the things that, if brought to light, are actually part of my freedom? If God already sees them and he's already forgiven them, why can't I be open about that? So a fruit of the cross is actually forgiveness past, present, future, and as a result of forgiveness, transparency. We can be transparent with each other. We can actually have a heart that says, look, this is what I've been going through. This is what I've chosen, maybe. This is what's happened to me. And as a result of that, we can let God's forgiveness really take full effect in our lives. So last week, we just shared a little bit. Um, and I, I asked God, okay, so should we go back to Hebrews this week? Um, and he said, no, I'm not done with that. Um, I'm not done with this thing. So I said, okay, well, you want us to repent some more? Uh, you want us to pray some more? You want us to do some more confession? And I felt like he said, no, that's, that's not what I want from this time. Actually, he, I felt like he was saying, I want you to kind of come um, full circle. I want you to complete um, part of what you started last week and ask, well, what, what would that look like? What should that be? And I want to talk tonight about the fruit of the cross, which is honor. How does that connect to what we've already went through even last week? Last week we talked about confession and freedom because we've already been forgiven. And if we've already been forgiven, we can be transparent. How does honor connect to that? And I want to define what I mean by honor. I mean dignity, value, purpose restored. Dignity, value, and purpose restored. How does that connect to the fact that we're already forgiven? If we're already forgiven, if the cross tells us that Christ has come and he paid a price so that we could be free, what are we free to? There's the other half of that which is we've been free from our sin, and what now are we free to? If we don't answer the second half of that question, we miss the the whole picture of this good news and what it actually is and how it actually should shape our lives. So um, I want to talk about honor as a fruit of the cross. And um, let's see where we're going to go first. Uh, Let's go to... Let's go to Ephesians 2, real quick. I 
Let me just read a few verses, okay? Actually, I'm going to start in Ephesians 1. Praise be, verse 3. Praise be to God and our... And, uh, start over. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. That is probably, that's the gospel in a nutshell. God said, before you knew me, before you even had a glimpse of my goodness, before you even knew your need for a savior, before any of that, I said, because of my love, because of my love revealed through my son, I am going to make you part of my family. I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to reveal how much you need me. I'm going to show you that there is a Savior, and it's not you. It's my Son. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to give you reconciliation, and I'm going to bring you into a family. That's the gospel. The gospel says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So he said, you had a problem. You didn't know how to fix it. You couldn't save yourselves. And so I sent a Savior. And in fact, this plan has been in motion since before you were born, since before the creation of the world. God said, this is my plan. This is my heart to redeem a people who have turned from me. So... In that, he's predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. That is amazing. We get to not only have our sins forgiven, which I think a lot of us have an understanding. Okay, God, he sent Jesus to forgive my sins. Actually, that's just the beginning of it. He forgave your sins but he brought you into a family. You were not only a sinner before Christ, but you were an orphan before him. You were missing a family. Someone said the problem in America is that the challenge, if you will, is that we have people who are orphans, but they don't know it. Because we have so many things that make us feel like we're comfortable and we have a home and all this, but actually before Christ, we were wandering and we're looking for a home and we can't find it. God said the problem is actually not just sin, but the result of the sin which separates you from me and from my love and from being a part of the family that I made you to be a part of. So when he saved you, he forgave your sin so that you could be a part of his family. There's a bigger picture at work here, which is he's created you to be a son and a daughter. That's good news. Are you guys following me? Okay. All right. Um, How does this relate to honor? How does this relate to honor? Because I want to get there. I'm going to try my best. (laughs) Um, 
the truth of the gospel is this. He didn't just remove our shame through the cross. That's part of it. He removed our shame when he took our sin on the cross, took everything past, present, future. You don't have to be in shame anymore. In fact, if you're feeling shame, guilt, condemnation, those things aren't for God, from God, because they've already been paid for. You don't have to feel that way anymore because he took all those things with your sin, the consequence of your sin, on the cross. But that's just half of it. He didn't just remove shame. He replaced it with honor. And I believe this is the part that as the church, we need to have a glimpse of a picture so clear that the gospel brings honor, dignity, purpose, value. The gospel doesn't just take away shame. It doesn't just take away sin, but it replaces it with dignity, value, and purpose. And I believe that the church has missed that part for a long time, has missed it. And so we're walking around not realizing our value because of Jesus. We're walking around not realizing our purpose because of Jesus. If he established us and put us in a family, we get the inheritance of that family. That's what it means to be a part of a family. So if you're a part of a new family now, actually, you're a part of a family that you never had before. You were an orphan, and now you're brought into a family, much less the family of God and everything that it entails, which is true in the gospel. All of a sudden, your life has, should have unlimited potential and purpose where it wasn't before. Whoa. I don't know about you, but man, that is crazy to me. But I believe the church, we've missed this picture. We missed this part of what the cross has brought for us, which is honor. I don't know. Maybe as I tell you that, even some of you are weirded out by me saying that you have honor, you have value that God gave you that he wants you to embrace. Because you feel like some way that's prideful, um, some way maybe that's arrogant. Here's the truth. The value that he bestowed on you. This is what it says in um, Ephesians 2. I promised I would get there. As for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is, in, is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. Man, a lot of us are still living in that place. Like we're more sin conscious. I've said this before than sun conscious. And we're not supposed to be. Yes, our natures are still waging war. Yes, we need to be aware of our sin. That's why we talked about it last week. But because it brings freedom when we deal with it and we let God deal with it. Not because we're meant to live in the cycle of just continuing to feel bad. Verse 4 says, But because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Why aren't you cheering? <laughs> That's all right. I know we're not like that here. You guys don't do amens or anything. A while ago, I said this. You can do, you can do one of these if you're, if you're in agreement. You can even do two of these if you're really in agreement. Raise the roof, all right? You can say amen. You can smile. You can head nod. Just give me something, okay? This is good. This is God saying, I have honored you. Here's a picture of it. Hey, we're alive. Here's a picture of it. You were way down here, dead in your transgressions. What did he do? He took them from you. But not only did he take them from you, what does it say about who we are now and where we've been established? He seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. Some of you are like, that's just out there and I don't even know what that means for my life. What it means is you are in a place of honor. He raised you up. He raised you up. You're seated with Christ. Hebrews says that Jesus counts us in his family, and it's a privilege. Wow. Jesus is like, yay, I have brothers and sisters now. This this is awesome, this thing called the gospel. God has placed us in a, a place of honor through his son. We need to get that. We need to get that. Some of us are still living as if that hasn't happened. Some of us, that feels uncomfortable. You know, it's okay. It's okay for things to be a little uncomfortable. We don't have to run away from them. Actually, it probably should feel a little uncomfortable because you're like, ah, this is weird, and I didn't deserve this, and I didn't earn it. You should feel a little uncomfortable that God has seated you with Jesus and you didn't do a thing to earn that. That should make you feel a little uncomfortable. It should make you scratch your head. It should make you ask why. Well, here's what it's not. (laughs) Here's why, actually. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And that it's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Why did God honor you? Because of his great love. Because he said, you know what? My love is overflowing for you. Here's the gift of being brought into my family. Why did God honor you? He honored you because he loved you. Why did he, why does he love you? Mm. That might be a tougher Tougher one to answer. Why does God love you? Do you know why he loves you? Is it because you're awesome? Is it because you're great? Is it because you have done something that God says, wow, that person right there, okay, you, you just, all right, here you go. Actually, that's not why, okay? In case you're wondering, that's not why. You know why he loves you? He loves you because he made you. 
He loves you because he puts something inside of you of worth. It's called his image. He made you for love. The reason God loves you is because he designed you for his love. And actually, because your life is is of worth to God. Your life is of great worth to God. You know how much your life is worth to God? The blood of Jesus. The blood of his son. That's how much your life is worth to God. It's true. See, we think, and I've said this before, and I didn't come up with it, but it's amazing, so I'm just going to keep saying it. We think the gospel reveals how much our sin costs God, and it does. But the good news, that's not the whole picture of the good news. The cross reveals our worth to God, and we need to get that. God loves you because you're worth something to him. You're worth the blood of Jesus. How do you know what something is worth? By the price that someone will pay for it. I sell stuff on eBay. Some of you will look at this ski suit from the 70s and be like, wow, that is ugly. And I wouldn't pay $5 for it. But you'd be surprised what people will pay for an ugly ski suit with spandex from the 70s. People will pay a lot of money. I'm still waiting to get some pictures of people actually wearing those things. Hasn't happened yet. The point is, when someone buys that ski suit for 100 bucks, that ski suit is worth 100 bucks. In the same way, Jesus tells us that we're worth something to God. We're worth his life. That's how much we're worth to God. That is our value brought back. That is God honoring your life. And so we cannot get stuck in the place of, I can't believe God would save me. I can't believe he would love me. I can't believe, you know, because of everything I've done and I keep doing, I don't know why God would even have something to do with me. That is not the gospel. Yes, it is. You could say it this way. I cannot believe it, but it's true. And he told me it's true. And he's revealed, actually, that I'm worth something to him. And the gospel removes sin so that value can be restored, so that honor can be restored, so that our life can actually have purpose and meaning. That's the gospel. And this this verse That ends this section. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. A lot of times, that's a familiar verse, and we want to quote that. But we have to see the context here. God's saying, I've prepared you for something. And actually, the cross is you being released to walk into your purpose and your destiny and your value. That is awesome. You guys with me there? You guys with me? All right. So the, the cross restores inherent worth. The cross has an inherent value and honor brought with it. And in the church, 
We need to get that. How should that look? How should that practically reveal itself in the life of the church? It is a lot easier to look at the people around us and see the brokenness. It just is. (laughs) Actually, it really doesn't take much trying, does it? In the same way for ourselves. Like, is it easier for you to see yourself as holy or to see yourself as a sinner? Okay, yeah, that was rhetorical. Yeah, it's not like we wake up in the morning, we look in the mirror, and we're like, holy. (laughs) Maybe more like, holy moly, oh my gosh, like, got to fix this up. (laughs) But that's what we are. Like, it's easier to be like, oh no, not another day, and man, like, if it's anything like yesterday, jeez. How could God love me? But he says, you're holy. He says, you're blameless. He says, you're righteous in Christ. And when he looks at you, that's what he sees. So, in the church, what we need, not just with the church, but it's got to start here. What we need is actually eyes to see that in people. Eyes to see worth in people. Eyes to see dignity in people, eyes to see potential, eyes that see value that God has established. And not just to see it, but to acknowledge it, to speak it, to affirm it. That's what we need in the church, and it's missing a lot of times. Do you, do you feel that way at all? See, I think until we see that the gospel shows us that it's there, we'll feel weird about walking in. It's just weird to to get a compliment sometimes. Like, we have an amazing, amazingly gifted worship team, so I want to pick on them for a minute. Um, You guys, it's awesome. Man, like, God has given you a gift. That's what it is. It's a gift. All of us have something in that way that God has given us and it's a gift so how do you respond to that so I just want to say you guys man you bless us okay so Mike has an amazing voice it's okay to tell Mike he has an amazing voice if it's true okay so Mike you have an amazing voice brother and I don't know how that comes out of that little frame of yours. And I can say that because, you know, we're in, the, we're in the small club. Yeah, exactly. Well, 32 these days, but cookies, you know. My wife just, she won't stop with the cookies. All right, too much info. But I don't know. I don't know how that voice comes out. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. Like, cause I, I just can't do it, but you have it, man. And it blesses us. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Okay. So when I tell Mike that, okay, he might be squirming a little. You might be squirming a little. That's okay. When someone says something like that, what is our natural reaction? We're usually like, well, you know, <laughs> praise Jesus. I'm just making a joyful noise. You know, 
I try my best. <laughs> Come on, who are you kidding? You have a gift. So, this is not humility. Humility, I don't know who said it. If you can find out, you tell me. If not, we can pretend I said it. But humility is agreeing with the truth. So, (laughs) when we find out what the truth is, it's okay to agree with it. So if the truth is, Mike has an amazing voice, and I want to just spend a second to honor him and say, thank you. Humility is actually saying, you're welcome. (laughs) Saying, you're welcome. Like, I received that. And just, like, why is that so hard for us? Like, why is that so weird for us? Like, to, to receive a praise and to know that it's not actually, it doesn't have to lead to us becoming puffed up in something like being arrogant and all these things. So, in the same way, I think we've confused that in the church. And so we're, we're hesitant to call out things we see that are of God, that are gifts, that are amazing, that actually maybe haven't been tapped into even, but we see it. We're hesitant to call it out because we don't want to puff someone up. We don't want them to become prideful. We don't want them to get a big head, all those things. But we need to honor each other. We need to honor each other so that this verse will come to pass. So that we will walk into verse 10, the things that God has created us for before we even knew it. The good works that he has prepared in advance for us to walk into. I believe we will not walk into those things until we actually have a place where it's okay to actually even receive the gift and acknowledge it's from God and to just live it out. We won't walk in those things until we are in a place where people are okay with saying, that is of God in you and I honor it. It's been a blessing. Like, don't become confused, but that is from God. And so give him praise for it. But just receive the honor that is bestowed even on you as a result of it. See, as long as we know that it's, it's a gift that God's given us, we can receive honor that is ours as a result. Because I believe he gets honor as a result as well. Did you know Jesus bestowed glory on his people? In John 17, um, just really quick, okay? I'm going to wrap this up, I promise. Are you guys okay? Go a little bit longer here. There's dinner afterwards, so if that's motivation for you to stick around. My wife made baked ziti, um, three pans of it, some gluten-free, some vegetarian, some full of meat. Oh, glory. That's glory right there. I honor you, Maria. I know you're not even in the room, but yes, you may be the reason that my, <laughs> that I'm growing, <laughs> but, uh, you're also the reason that I'm well fed. Yes, glory. Um, Jesus says this in John 17. We've been talking about unity. How does this relate to unity? 
I found out today. It was really cool. So I'm reading John 17, which is a prayer that Jesus prays before he's going to the cross. And a part of that prayer is central to that prayer. He prays for unity. That God's people would be one. That they would be one first with the Father through the Son. But then that they would be one with each other as a result of that. And there's something amazing connected to the unity. And it's in verse 22 of chapter 17. It says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Jesus said that in a prayer over the disciples. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. That goes in line with we are sons and daughters brought into the same family and inheritance as Jesus, the first son. It's the same thing. He says, I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I'm getting ahead of myself. And in them, and you and me, so that I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. I believe that the unity that God wants to accomplish in our midst will not happen until we as a people acknowledge this thing called honor that comes through the cross. And until we begin to be okay with bestowing it on each other because we've had it bestowed on us giving it to each other because we've received it through Jesus. See, with that, the only way we can actually begin to bestow honor and to call these things out and to be okay with it and to encourage it is if we first understood that we've received it as well. You can't give something you don't have. And so until you acknowledge that God has honored you through the Son, if you've received his love, you're not going to be able to really call that forth in the people around you because you're going to see it as a threat to you. You may just see it as competition. You may just see it as, um, no, like, I, I, why would I? You may just not see it at all. Why would you want to look at someone else and actually invest in them and speak things into their life if you're consumed with your own life? So the gospel bestows honor through the love that God has poured out. And as a result, we can do that for each other. And I believe the the ultimate result of that is a unity in the church. And so to me, it makes sense that until we we have this, we're not going to have unity in the way that God wants to really bring it about. Okay, so I'm going to end. Um, But... Um, I want us to do something. I want to pray first, and then I want us to activate this here and now. So um, I want to pray first for, for just even that we would understand the love of God in a way that we would receive the honor inherent that we didn't deserve, that we didn't earn, couldn't, but that he has lavished on us through the Son. Because until we receive that, and some of you, like, you have not received the lavish love of the Father that has come through Jesus yet. 
like you you have maybe wrong perceptions of the way that he loves you because of a number of things but he has revealed that his love is lavish towards you it's full towards you that comes through the son and I believe today some of you just need to receive that maybe for the first time and I pray that all of us would receive it to a greater measure so I want to pray I want to pray for that let's pray And just put yourself in a place to receive. Maybe that's just opening your hands. Maybe that's just opening your heart. Jesus, I thank you that when you look at our lives, you don't see the mess. You actually see what's under it all. When you look at our lives, you and the Father, before you even came and you walked among us and you suffered and you You took our pain, you took our sin upon you. Before any of that, you saw lives worth dying for. You saw lives worth giving it all for. And I thank you that that word is specific to each person in this room. And it goes out of this place. It's true for everyone in this city. It's true for everyone that you've made. Each of those lives is a life that you said, I will give it all for. So that, so that they can enter in. Jesus, I pray right now, God, maybe as uncomfortable as it is, maybe for some for the first time, maybe just for others afresh, that we would receive your love right here and now. Your unconditional love, your freeing love your transformational love, your fierce love. We receive it, God, as a gift. We receive the word spoken over us. You are worth the blood of Jesus to me.